Thank you so much for being my friend. Fourth of April, twenty twenty-one. Want to do a podcast about Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller movies? Some sort of Myrowitz-themed title. Adam and Ben, new and selected. Shane says, "Sure. Anything more specific? Is this a replacement for our comedy TikTok band?" I say, "I can. We can do both. There's two possible formats. Either we alternate between Sandler and Stiller movies every second episode, or every episode does one Sandler and one Stiller. I just think there's a lot of material in there, and it's a limited run as well." And then I send over the album artwork, and it's pretty much the one we've used this entire time. And that was how this podcast was born. April 2021. It's now November 2023. My name is Lucian Waddaily. I'm here with Shane Kelly, and it's the final episode of Adam and Ben, New and Selected. Good evening. You can you can kind of tell how much thought went into this podcast, yeah. considering it was a <laughs> six watch fir- first, first draft. First idea was like, it's good enough. We never yeah. went past the first title. Nope. And we never went past the first artwork. Nope. And we stuck with them this entire time, and we followed through on the premise, and we ended up. And you know, we've never gotten sick of it either. We're like, yeah, that we, was a, we were very. We kind of hit the nail on the head first time yeah. around. We were very happy to go through and do forty to fifty episodes, and we did, and I think that's a triumphant success. This is the most commitment I've ever given to anything. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. We did a podcast in school that ran for two hundred and fifty episodes. That was kind of your thing. You only kind of, yeah. That was the only the only through line with that was me. Because a couple of people checked out of that after yeah, a while. And I, was you, a, I was a later season edition. You probably didn't show up until 130 or something. Sure. Um, so, you know. But even that, that was kind of low stakes. That was that just recorded what was happening anyway. Yeah, we didn't anyway. plan, prepare, no. watch films, no. do, make notes. Oh, we made so many notes for this podcast. So we much did. research We truly involved. did. Um, but yeah, we've come to our final regularly scheduled episode mm-hmm. regularly scheduled episode of adam and ben new and selected we're not ruling out the possibility of dropping in on the feed when uh, a new sandler or stiller hits that we want to talk about yeah. i know that the adam sandler film spaceman is coming up next year probably and that's definitely something we're going to want to discuss but uh in terms of the the numerically uh staggered episodes i think this is this is the end of it for us um so today we've got a very special show in store we're going to mm-hmm. be doing two things firstly we're going to be running through all of the ben adam and ben movies that we didn't cover on the show previously just quickly kind of running through and chatting about uh what they're like and why we didn't cover them and whether they're worth discussing and if we've even seen them to begin with and then uh, after that we're gonna we're gonna do our countdown ranking from worst to best of all the films we've done episodes on and reveal the best film that we've ever discussed on this podcast and i think most of you will probably be able to guess what it is Mm -hmm. or at least rule it down to two or three yeah there's not many surprises at the top not many surprises surprises may be in the middle uh, and we have a few other fun little and we'll go through our biggest discrepancies as well what lucy liked what i didn't um, but the, first, I've got were. some fun facts about the popularity of the podcast. I think Ooh. some of you are interested to hear just how successful we've been. So I'd like to reveal to you just how not a commercial success this show has been. In two and a half years, 43 episodes, we have had a total of 1,108 streams. So that of 60 levels seconds. out at about 20 oh. streams an episode. Yeah. Okay. So that is, if someone streams an episode for more than 60 seconds or downloads it, it gets mm-hmm. counted. And we've had 1,108. And that's not us, like, leaving our phones on repeat. No, we're not trying to no, boost we're not it trying artificially. To it but, like, realistically, we have five... We have four to six regular listeners yeah. who we can name, yeah. and we can identify who those people are yes. based on geographical statistics. <laughs> we that might we have always give them to. a shout out at the end of the episode, and we can see yeah. that people, uh, you know, there's people in Spain, 
that there's been people in the Czech Republic, there's been people in the United States, people in the UK, and we know exactly who those people yeah. are. The average play per episode, according to this, is actually not 20, it is 12. 12 is the average plays per episode, okay. according to this. We have 18 subscribers on Spotify, okay. and possibly a few more on other platforms. Um, um, our top impression source is Spotify Search. We get, we've get we got set 760... And so, oh, that's only in the last month. Ignore so this that. This is like where people click on the links. Yeah, that's only from the last month, though. Okay. Uh, here's our geographic uh, statistics from all time. Um, the show is most popular in Ireland. 49% of our listeners are within Ireland. I'd have guessed more. Uh, I oh, would have guessed more as well. Twenty-five percent of our listeners are in the United States. Good then seven percent from Germany. That is heavily boosted by Brendan living I'm in sure Berlin. Uh, then we have four percent from the UK. We have four percent from Spain. Four percent from Czech Republic, and then less than one percent from Canada, Kazakhstan, India, Netherlands, Australia, Brazil, France, South Africa, Argentina, Denmark, Indonesia, Malaysia, Turkey, Netherlands, Thailand, Israel, Colombia, Chile, Poland, Finland, Norway, Saudi, Romania, Georgia, and Mexico. I think it's a testament to our passion for the the topic, considering that we're getting absolutely no recognition or financial exactly. benefit out of this, and we exactly. still power through for fifty exactly, episodes. Yeah, fifty five percent of our listeners have been on Spotify. Yeah. And uh, 40% of our listeners have listened on iPhone, 28% on Android, 11% Windows, 5% Mac, and 2% on smart speakers. Mm -hmm. Our most popular episode ever is Funny People, our sixth episode. Really? 50 listeners, followed quickly by Night at the Museum Trilogy with 42, Duplex with 42, Severance with 35, There's Something About Mary with 34, and Tower Heist with 34. Our least listened episode is... uh, this is, Meyerowitz doesn't count because we only released it a week sure. ago. I'm not going to count that. Our least popular episodes are um, Little Nicky and Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Good episodes to be down the bottom. Yeah, not not our best episodes. But yeah, the, My- the Madagascar 3 episode might be the, yeah, I've the no, least I've no, effort. I have no sense of what our best episode is like in our I, own I would opinion. say I would say one with a guest is probably boosted just by having a bit of a fun extra, yeah. extra energy in the mix like. Uh, so that's our that, those are our little popularity statistics. As you can tell, we did this only out of our our passion, not yeah. out of popularity. Um, which is, I think, how many so, how many different locations did we record this in? We did online. So we started off on Zoom when I was living in out in Glasnevin, and then I went and moved to Ranala, and we did a few on Zoom from Ranala. Okay. And then I moved to Inchicore, and we did a few from Inchicore over Zoom. Then you moved to Dublin, and we started mostly recording in your house in uh, Fibsborough. In, in Fibsborough. Yeah. Uh, and then we did came, we do any in Inchicore? Did this happen? Do we do any in Inchicore? I, I don't think, so. think we ever did an episode in person. In Inchicore. I've always no. had the microphones. And then we did Tower Heist. Sorry, we did Tropic Thunder out in Michael's house. Yes. And then we did some in this house that we live in together now. Quite a few. Yeah. I think that's all. Okay. But I've lived in four houses since mm-hmm. this podcast started, which is crazy. Uh, and I've had a number of uh, four or five different jobs. It's yeah. crazy. Um, so we will run through now the films that we never covered on the podcast Mm -hmm. um it's not a particularly exciting list if they were exciting we would have covered them yeah i'm gonna go through it um in chronological order so from 1989 adam sandler's first ever film going overboard never heard of this have not seen this it looks like it was probably made on a very tiny budget is it one of these extensions of an snl skit yes i think so it's him on a cruise ship right and i have absolutely no interest in seeing it so sorry to adam sandler i haven't seen your first film i should probably check it out but it is apparently like borderline unwatchable <laughs> next up 1994 oh. we have nora efron's film mixed nuts which is a steve martin movie and it's about a 
I think it's about a suicide prevention hotline on Christmas. Right. And it's about a, is it a suicide prevention hotline? Some sort of hotline and Steve Martin works in the call center. And it's about a series of colorful characters who phone in and he interacts mm-hmm. with. And Adam Sandler is one of the characters. Okay. Uh, so he's I not have, a lead. We kind of stayed, no, we stayed away yeah, from the ones not where the guys aren't leads. Yeah. It is a very similar character to his role in... Uh, to his role in in um, thingy Airheads, very similar type of performance. Oh, okay, less, so less yeah. enjoyable. Uh, similar film from around a similar period, and yeah, not that great. In 1996, he's in Bulletproof with uh, one of the Wayanses. I'm forgetting which one. Uh, Marlon Wayans, uh, Damon Wayans. Sorry, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans, and that's a movie. Um, that's like a sort of a midnight run knockoff, um, where Sandler plays a thief um who smuggles drugs and uh damon waynes is a cop and they get stuck on a little you know job together mm-hmm. james khan is in it and obviously adam sandler has always said james khan is like basically his favorite actor and somebody yeah. that he's always aspired to like have the career of um and james khan plays sandler's father in uh, that's my boy so they got to work together couple times before James Caan died a few years ago and, and that movie is directed by Ernie Dickerson who is uh, Spike Lee's cinematographer who shot Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X um, but is known as well for directing his own films This and Juice and uh, Demon Knight Bones Never Die Alone um, I've seen it it's not very funny it's full of gay panic humor every second joke in it is homophobic uh, nothing more to say about it not a very good film mm-hmm. uh, in 96 uh, Stiller does Flirting with Disaster which is a uh, film with himself and Patricia Arquette, Tay Leone, and Alan Alda. That's half the cast of Tower Heist. Hmm. Um, I have not seen Flirting with Disaster. It doesn't look particularly special. The tagline is the story of a man who went searching for his roots and got tangled up along the way. Still the lead? He's the lead of it, yeah. Oh. We definitely could have covered it as his first sort of comedy as a leading man, uh, but we didn't, and it's too late now. Sure. Uh, that's Flirting with Disaster, which I have not seen. And then he directs The Cable Guy that year, which he appears in as well, but mm-hmm. not in a major role. That's obviously Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. I don't think The Cable Guy is particularly funny. I know that people do really like it, um, but I think it's fine. Um, like, I guess if there's something we missed that people desperately want to hear our takes on, please. Please, write in. Like, write in. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll do an episode. Then in 1998, we have we do in 1998 have two big Sandler films that people will probably be yeah. angry we didn't cover. The Wedding Singer and The Waterboy. I'm much hotter on The Wedding Singer than I am on The Waterboy. I think The Wedding Singer is... We did actually watch The Waterboy. We did We, we sat it. together and watched and The Waterboy and we were like... do an episode. Yeah. There's nothing to talk about. Nothing. It would have been worse than our Happy Gilmore episode in terms of enthusiasm levels. Yeah. Minus the guest. Uh, would not have been good. Um, the Wedding Singer, I am a fan of. I don't think it's amazing and I don't think there's any unique angle in it we could have taken because... I think that was originally on our list to do. It was on our list to do. we just kind of passed over I then. just couldn't think of anything to talk about on it because we did Drew Barrymore on the 51st Dates episode. Yeah. There's nothing else really special in The Wedding Singer. Is Matt Dillon in that as well? Uh, I don't think so. Is he not the other... I Maybe no. he is. No, I don't, I don't think it's him. It's some other goon, I think. Uh, the Wedding Singer, Christine Taylor's in it. Stiller's, Stiller's wife is in it. Okay. And uh, Alexis Arquette, who is the late sibling of Patricia and David Arquette. Okay. Um, Alan Covert, Matthew Glavia, nobody special. Uh, oh, maybe Alan Covert. Just Wedding Singer is guy. very successful in, in terms of being a bit of IP. It's been turned into a stage musical. And, like, I yeah. often see, like, local community theaters will be putting on The Wedding Singer, the musical. Like, it exists as a franchise. And the songs have lasted in... Yes. Of- I mean, the songs are all, like, 
there's a jukebox musical. The songs yeah. in it are from the top 40. Like, it's, it's, you spin me right round is the big opening credit song. Great opening credit sequence. Sandler gets to sing in that film a lot. And as we established last week with the Meyerowitz story, Sandler is a really good singer. So, Wedding Singer's good. Sorry, yeah, you, you give that a very solid four stars in that It's a four star film. I watched it when I had the flu yeah. in December 2019. And I watched it in bed. Put a bullet in my head, is what you said. Yeah, this is the song. He sings the song in it where yeah. he's like, I want to die, put a bullet in my head or whatever. Yeah. Um, then Stiller makes two films in 98 that I have no idea what they are. One of them is called Zero Effect and one of them is called Permanent Midnight. Permanent Midnight's a very like nuclear sounding title. They both are. Zero Effect, 1998. The synopsis is Daryl Zero is a private investigator, and along with his assistant, he solves impossible crimes <laughs> and puzzles. And the investigator is played by Bill Pullman, and the assistant is played by Ben Stiller. That also stars Ryan O'Neill, Kim Dickens, and Angela Featherstone, uh, directed by Jake Kasdan. Uh, have not seen that. Don't think I'm going to be checking it out anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Looks like maybe a slightly drier kind of performance from Stiller, but, you know, happy for him. And then Permanent Midnight. Ben Stiller plays a heroin addict. In that? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, also per- features Elizabeth Hurley, yeah. Owen Wilson. Interesting. And then Permanent Fred Midnight Wood. looks kind of interesting. That's Elizabeth Hurley, Maria Bello, Owen Wilson. The, and the, the description is juggling increasing career success and a growing heroin habit. Oh, sorry. You're talking about Permanent Midnight. Yeah. We were talking about two different films. Right. No, I think you moved on to Permanent Midnight. Sorry. No, I hadn't. That does sound kind of interesting. What do you think of the poster? I, I like the poster. He looks like Tom Cruise. He does look like Tom Cruise on the they poster. They give him really blue eyes. Yeah. Interesting. 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Pretty solid. Interesting. Came out just before something about Mary. Maybe we should have done an episode on Permanent Midnight. Maybe. I mean, it would have gotten zero listeners, but uh, might have been worth it. Permanent Midnight's everyone's favorite film. What are you talking about? It is everyone's favorite film. Uh, then in uh, 99, we have Mystery Men, Mystery which we Man. probably should have done an episode on. I saw Mystery Men in primary school uh-huh. on the TV in the classroom where yeah. Daniel brought it in to class. Yeah. It is not very good in my recollection. It is a very, very sloppy late 90s superhero pastiche. Mm-hmm. It has real Simpsons energy to okay. it. I did not care for it. It's Hank Azaria is like the fucking second lead of gotcha. it. And that yeah. ruins a film for me. Yeah. It does have the special merit of being the film for which the song All Star by Smash Mouth was written. Um, People always naively think that Smash Mouth wrote All Star for Shrek. But in fact, that was a tie-in single for Mystery Men. And the Mm -hmm. music video for All Star features clips from Mystery Men. I'm getting annoyed now. We have all these films and interesting things. And we've done an episode on Little Nicky. Little Nicky is you can't say so, Little Nicky's okay, not sorry, interesting. Okay, sorry, it's a bad example. It, it has Little Nicky's a about. film set in hell with Satan. Sure, in it. sure, I think the ones we shouldn't have done are more of your sort of uh, Sandler sports comedies. Sports. Well, we didn't do that many of the sports. We comedies. didn't. We th- would, that was an easy we, one to stay away from. That we we could have skipped the Madagascar sequels. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, anyway, so. um, and then in in uh, in two thousand, uh, Stiller does Keeping the Faith, which is a movie with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Edward Norton, where he plays a rabbi. Mm-hmm. I have not seen. Uh, in 2002, Sandler does Eight Crazy Nights, which is his animated Hanukkah movie. Ah, yes. I watched it last Christmas. Uh, it starts off promising. It's a musical, mm-hmm. a lot of songs, and then it's just really, really nothing. Okay. It's nothing. It's a silly animated film. It's nothing. It came out right after Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody, nobody needs to see Eight Crazy Nights. 2004, Sandler does James L. Brooks's Spanglish. 
which we definitely could have done an episode on. I really, really do not like Spanish. No, you hate it. I think it's really, it's it's a terrible film. It's real green book energy. It's a white savior drama with Sandler playing a rich guy. He's a rich chef. So a lot of it's set in restaurants. And people who know me know how much I dislike films and TV shows set in restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most boring place to set something. Unless there's like a little rat running around. Unless there's a little rat running around in Paris. And he is a he's a rich chef and he hires a, a Latina or – no, sorry. She's Spanish. Yeah. Sorry. A <laughs> Spanish, you know, nanny for his kids. And she comes and moves in with her daughter and she does – she's very poor English. Mm-hmm. And him and Taylor Leone are trying not to be – xenophobic they're trying to be patient with her with her poor english it is so bad like it is a really uh sickly sanctimonious white savior drama james l brooks not one of my guys i don't like most of his films i, I even think broadcast news is overrated and i really don't care for mm-hmm. spanglish Tay leone again is the the wife in that she pops up in a lot of these around this period um, not a film I like at all, and it's also like two and a half hours long. So yeah, I think where we saved ourselves a lot of stress having to watch that one again. And then in two thousand and four, there are three Stillers that we didn't do episodes on. This was his big so year. many movies that yeah. year. Yeah, we didn't do episodes on Along Came Polly, Starsky and Hutch, and Dodgeball. Mm-hmm. I have seen Along Came Polly and Dodgeball, and I think they are both terrible. And Dodgeball isn't enough of a stiller to do it. No, he is very much a sporting role in that. That is a Vince Vaughn movie. Yeah. And then Along Came Polly is... We've done Aniston on our uh, Just Go With It um, episode. And I think Along Came Polly, nothing new there with the stiller-Aniston dynamic. It does feature Philip Seymour Hoffman and Alec Baldwin. Um, but that's not enough to have talked about it. And it it does nothing has nothing special. Starsky and Hutch is a film I have really just kind of avoided watching my whole life. Um... Is that an Adam McKay? I think that's an... Oh, it's a Todd Phillips. It's one of those it's guys. It's one yeah. of those two guys. It is a Todd Phillips film. Okay. Um, And it does have an it does have an amusing supporting cast. Snoop Dogg is in it? Snoop Dogg, Jason Bateman, okay. Amy Smart, Juliette Lewis, Carmen Electra, Terry Crews, Patton Oswalt, Will Ferrell. But... It just doesn't look like something I'd enjoy. It's mm-hmm. a it's an it's a 70s cop show pastiche uh slash reboot I, I just don't think this i just don't think i'd like it yeah i i just don't want to watch it life's too short to watch things that you know you won't like so no starsky and hutch for me thank you um in 2005 sandler makes the longest yard Whew. that's a really bad film. that was one we intentionally avoided we intentionally avoided that film is so homophobic like it's yeah. it's just impossible to talk about it you can't put these guys in prison in the mid 2000s yeah you can't because all they're going to do is do gay panic stuff i think that film has nothing going for it that would justify talking about it for an hour no when it is so hateful towards humanity it does have burt reynolds courtney cox plays the wife which is funny because then she plays the sister mm-hmm. of bedtime stories um but otherwise the cast is the usual the chris rock and buscemi is there and yeah a few of those guys it's it's really bad i'm really not a fan of it at all do you have this list open in front of you so more, you have this list i'm working off open in front of you there yeah yeah okay what's next after longest yard well not exactly open in front of me but okay okay so no, i got here we go uh spanish longest yard we have the heartbreak kid yeah so the heartbreak kid 2007 that's farley brothers Mm-hmm. who obviously reunite with Stiller after something about Mary. Yeah. Um, the Heartbreak Kid is a remake of a of an Elaine May movie that people love with Charles Grodin. Yeah. Now, I think the original's a little bit overrated, but it is very good. Um, Elaine May is great. Charles Grodin is great. The Heartbreak Kid 2007 is quite bad. Um, it is just a 
raunchy for the sake of it, romantic sex comedy. Mm-hmm. Michelle Monaghan is one of the women in it. Uh, and I obviously am a big Michelle Monaghan fan, but like she gets nothing to do. It is uh, very smarmy, full of sex, really uh, full of gross out stuff. I feel like a lot of the same stuff is something about Mary. There's lots of like uh, ejaculation humor in it. And I just don't remember finding it funny when I watched it a couple years ago. Yeah. It was definitely one that I watched on the streak of Ben Stiller movies that led me to want to do this podcast back in 2020. Yeah, you were just kind of filling out the back catalog. Because I was right? filling out the back catalog, but it, it wasn't good. Um, of course, uh, Peter Farrelly has gone on to become an Oscar winner for directing Green Book. <laughs> um, but The Heartbreak Kid's not that very good. Out. Uh, and then 2010, Ben Stiller does a voice in Megamind, but he's not one of the main voices. That's, of course, a, a Will Ferrell, Brad Pitt, David Cross, Jonah Hill are the main voices in that. Megamind's great, but Ben Stiller's not in enough to have done an episode. There is, after this, there's no film between 2010 and 2021 that Stiller makes that we didn't cover. So we got his entire 2010s career. Because yeah. his 2010s career is it's interesting. It's yeah. spread out more and it's interesting. He gets into working with Baumbach. There's the um, Night Museum sequels. Yeah. There's The Watch. And then things start to get better and there's the Baumbachs. Yeah. Madagascar 3. Um... And yeah, even and Tower then, Heist and stuff is interesting. Yes, oh, Tower yeah. Heist as well. And now he's retired from movies, basically, because the last film he was in was 2021's Locked Down. He's not which, made a film since that. Nope. And basically, all okay. of his scenes in that are on Zoom. He has a beard. He looks very old in it. Mm. He allows himself to look very old. He plays Anne Hathaway's boss. Right. And all of his scenes are done over Zoom. And it's like, and Ben Stiller. And he's in like maybe three or four scenes. I feel like there's maybe one that is shot in person. Very bad film with Anne Hathaway and she would tell as you for a Doug Lyman movie about a heist on Harrods in London during right. COVID. It's it's terrible, terrible film. Sure. It, it was shot and released within about three months. So people were like, oh, they made a movie real quickly to get mm-hmm. a bunch of crew back to work. And that was kind of the only okay. value it had. Um, and other than that, he's just been directing. He directed uh, the prison show with Paul Dano. He's working on Severance now. Um, and he's, of course, directed a bunch of Severance. Um, and I hope he keeps directing because he's a really talented director. Um so that's all the stillers we haven't covered. But back to the Sandlers. Big stretch um, here from he does from the 2010s. Uh, he does a lot of stuff in the 2010s, and we we didn't do all of it. Um, yeah. So he voices a monkey in Zookeeper. Okay. I'm glad there's a film where Adam Sandler voices a monkey. Needs um, to exist. Yeah. Zookeeper's not not very good. Um, then that's my boy in 2012. We definitely planned on covering, and at some point the enthusiasm just wasn't there. Uh, Andy Samberg is that Samberg and anything else we covered? Uh, not in a significant role. No. No. Sandberg is the is, is Sandler's son. son in that. Yeah. Sandler's the whole backstory is that Sandler's character was a um in had a an affair, illegal affair with his teacher in mm. school, got her pregnant, she went to jail, he raised the kid, he let his baby get tattooed. He got a, his baby got a Backstreet Boys tattoo. Yes. Um the baby grows up and the tattoo's all warped and fucked up on yeah, his back. He grew up. The like, mother gets out of jail. Blah blah yeah. blah. James Caan plays the. I remember watching it on TV years ago yeah. and thinking it was the biggest sort of garbage. It's I've awful. Ever seen. It's all. It's a wedding movie, and his whole thing is he's like a guy who never grew out of the eighties. He has a mullet. He wears yeah. sunglasses, and he goes, "What's up?" In every scene, it's really really bad. Like a bad version of his wedding. Yeah. Character. And the main, the big celebrity cameo in it is Vanilla Ice, who's in like every scene. Oh god, it's terrible. Uh, in 2012, he also does the first Hotel Transylvania, which I watched on TV a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't seen it since it came out. It is quite good. The third one is a bit better. But Jendi Tartakovsky, very talented animation mm-hmm. director, uh, did a really good job with those Hotel Transylvania movies. They have a lot of fun visual ideas, and they're very, like, 
fast moving, lots yeah. of stuff going on. And Sandler's Dracula performance is very fun. And then in the fourth Hotel Transylvania, they weren't ours paying for him and they recast Dracula with a mm-hmm. different actor. Uh, 2014, Blended is an interesting movie because it is entirely shot in Africa. Um, it's him and Drew Barrymore, and they are two maybe, like, widowed people. I can't remember what the connection is. And they go on, like, a joint family holiday yeah. to what country do they go to? It literally just says Africa on Wikipedia. Where was this film filmed? It was shot in South Africa. There you go. Yeah. Um. And uh, it also has Bella Thorne is the third lead of it. Um, she plays Sandler's daughter. Interesting. Uh, Terry Crews. Um, Joel McHale is in it. <laughs> uh, Wendy McClendon. McClendon Covey is in it. And then Jackie and Jared Sandler yeah. are in it. Uh, it's 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 okay. Uh, the it's it, look it's like an Adam Sandler movie set in set in South Africa, which is kind of interesting. I actually quite like the poster. I don't know. I think it's like a fun poster. Sandler Barrymore blended. My dad has a blended T-shirt that I won in a competition that was too big for me, and my dad ah. wears it sometimes in bed. And it says, "Blended." Your dad has a good selection of films. Gangster Squad, Blended. I think there's Gravity. We're the Millers. We're the Millers. We're yeah. the Millers. A big. I one. used to win a lot of weird merch for a lot of weird studio comedies yeah. in the 2010s. Um, that was a good time. Uh, Blended's okay. There's nothing we could have talked about on that episode that would have made it worth rewatching. <laughs> um, Men, Women, and Children is a film that is absolutely worth talking about, but I have done a podcast about that film before. Myself, my dear friend, Hannah Friedel, did an episode of Where's the Damn Sequel about that film, which we did at one point tweet out on our Adam and Ben Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. Um, I covered every possible angle on that film then, so I would recommend going back and listening to that. It is a fascinating movie. I would have liked to hear your thoughts on it, but we'll talk about it sometime. Mm-hmm. It is a an ensemble film about the dangers of the internet, directed by Jason Reitman. It has Adam Sandler, Timothy Chalamet, Caitlin Dever, Ansel Elgort, J.K. Simmons, Dean Norris. It deals with bullying, eating disorders, mental illness, video gaming. It is a very a stupid film mm-hmm. um, with a lot of fascinating ideas and fascinating performances. And Adam Sandler is not really in it that much. He plays like a dad who cheats on his wife on an online day website and then i think accidentally the wife does the same thing and they end up like running into each other it's uh, not even played for laughs it's kind of played as a tragedy and his son has a porn addiction it's a really bad film okay um i think i've given it four stars on letterbox i need to fix that soon um anyway uh, that is men women and children then we have hotel transylvania 2 and then we kick into netflix mode and we start yeah. getting all this netflix shit so and we just had no interest in these this films are just like not real movies they're shot in this like very flat dull way yeah. directly to be watched on, intended to be watched on phones and iPads. Yeah, they're not meant for big screens. Yeah. The do-over, he plays like an assassin who comes and recruits David Spade to like help him on a mission. Sandy Wexler is all okay. It's an 80s movie. It's like 80s set uh, Hollywood agent thing. Yeah. It's okay. I remember thinking it was fine. And then in 2018, we do Hotel Transylvania 3. Is that a um, Netflix production? Uh, Hotel Transylvania 3. No. no, no, no. Those are real Sony Pictures yeah. movies. Um, and then we have Murder Mystery in 2019, which is him and Aniston back together. That movie is a huge success. And then they make Murder Mystery 2 in 2020. Yeah, we heard a recent statistic on the town. Yes. That Murder Mystery was something like the second most yeah. watched film on Netflix. Last or something. year, I think. Insane I, statistic. I, it was something like 30% of... I just don't believe it. No, I don't either. It sounds incredibly fake. It sounds incredibly fake. Um, like 35% of all Netflix viewers watched Murder Mystery. Yeah. I assume a lot of that is the autoplay. Yes, maybe. And it just autoplayed on the home screen because they 
Netflix would have pushed that hard. Yeah, I think so. Um, um, the other one we didn't mention from this period is uh, The Ridiculous Six. Okay. Which I have no desire to watch. No. Really, just I'm not, I'm not watching an Adam Sandler version of Blazing Saddles. I have better things to do with my life. Um, and then we have Hoobie Halloween. We did watch it. We've watched, I've watched Hoobie Halloween many times. And our friend, Owen Doby, favorite film. former guest, his favorite film. He has begged us to cover this film on the podcast. And we've almost refused to do it. Simply out of spite. Featured the return of Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen, Kevin James. Uh, somebody who's dead is in it. Oh, Ray Liotta's in it. Ray Liotta is in yeah. it. Yeah. Hoobie Halloween is not that good. It, it is nothing interesting to say about it. So sorry to to, to, to Owen, but we're, we're not we're not doing it. Has Owen been on an episode? Yeah. Tower Heist and Tropic Thunder. Oh, he was, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was in, yeah, in Tropic Thunder. Uh, and then we have Murder Mystery 2. Yep. Which I watched like a yep. month ago and I was quite fond of. Mm, I didn't. I thought it was terrible. No, I thought it was, I don't know. I just like watching Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. They kind of just hang sure. out. Yeah. Like, I didn't aren't really it. in the film. They're mm. just like, oh, look at us. We're Set making it. Paris. There's a bit where they like climb up the side of it. Yeah, that's kind of the end of Rush Hour 3 as far yeah, as I'm aware. It's, it's the same really thing. short. It's like, it's like. Sorry, it is 75 minutes when the credits roll in. Brilliant. And the credits go on for 11 minutes. Perfect length for a film. Yeah. They try uh, to, they do their best to stretch it tonight. I think it's 15 minutes of credits. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, he's in um, You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, which we previously discussed and told everyone was fantastic. It is really good. It's probably one of the 15 best films we've done on the podcast. It's one of the fif- 10 best films of the year. Yeah, like. but it would it would probably make our top 15 films if we had done an episode on it, I feel like. Or top 20, anyway. Did we not do an episode on it? No, we didn't, no. Well, he's he's really just not the star. No. Uh, his daughter is. Um, and then he has a new movie coming out next week called Leo, where he voices a lizard, which looks delightful. Yeah, it does. Um, but doesn't really deserve a, an episode, because we, we want to wrap this up. And then Spaceman is on the way. Um, that is a movie directed by Johan Renk, who worked on Chernobyl. Um, and it stars Sandler, Carey Mulligan, Paul Dano, Kunal Nayar, Isabella Rossellini, and Sinead Phelps. Um, it was it was shot and I assume it's coming out in 2024 yeah. and I think we'll probably do an episode on it because it sounds sick and that is the best of the rest everybody it's not really the best of the, the rest, worst of the rest. everything of the, the rest. rest just the rest so we're gonna move along now to the mm-hmm. second part of our episode we're gonna rank all the movies from worst to best so what we've done is that throughout the podcast, Shane and I have been keeping our separate rankings of all the movies we've discussed. Yep. And what we did today is we created a scoring system whereby the film that I had at number one and the film Shane had at number one were given, there's 48 films we're ranking, we're given 48 points each. And then the films that we both had at 48th place, we're given one point each. We added the points up and the film with the most points was top and the film with yep. the least points was bottom. So this is a perfect average, effectively, of Shane and my rankings of so these films. We'll start at the bottom, I guess. So we're going to start at the bottom with number 48. Um, What's at number 48, Shane? The cumulative ranking <laughs> at number 48 is Little Nicky. Little Nicky. Little Nicky. Oh, no, I don't. What's the voice? Is that the right voice? I'm not even going to try it. A horrible no, it's, film. It's disgusting. That is a film that just makes you feel very sick to think this about. This got a cumulative three points. Three points, everybody. So it was, I think it was your worst. It was my worst. And my second worst. Your second worst, yeah. right. Interesting. Um, Yeah, it is for me the most sort of repulsive film that mm-hmm. we've done. It is... It is it is stupid, but it is also just ugly to look at. It is an ugly soundtrack. Quentin Tarantino is in it, which is always a bad sign. Yeah, I Patricia Arquette is given a horrible role as the female love interest. Um, I think it's just a really it's just a really ugly, stupid film with a, a sort of early two thousands new metal junk aesthetic. All right, what's second from the bottom? 
this is a profoundly evil film. It was yeah. made for bad reasons. Yeah. It probably shouldn't have been made. Correct. And I'm upset that it was made. This yeah. is Zoolander 2. Zoolander 2. The fact that they couldn't even call it Zoolander. Yeah. No imagination used whatsoever. Like, did they... A film that was shot... One of these films where you can just tell that all the actors were in different places when they filmed. Oh, yeah. Everyone's in different rooms. I think... Real just hatch a job for money. Like yeah. It's... And directed by Stiller as well. And I think if you asked him, he would probably admit that this was... This is something he regrets. Has he was, to be. Pressure was put upon him by the studio, yeah. and there was probably a, a a proposal put to him that people were gagging for more Zoolander. But this also like didn't feel like a direct sequel to the first one. No, it was like a spin-off more so mm. because who is it? Christine Taylor who's in the first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's kind of the not the lead she's of the a first major role of the first one, but she yeah. kind of guides the first one because she's the point of reference. Yeah. And she's the kind of sense, mm-hmm. one would sense. And it would seem that her and Stiller had split up by the time they filmed Zoolander Yeah, 2, and then so she's they... just not in the second one, and they don't replace her with any character. So it's kind of just himself and Owen Wilson and doing Melody shitty Cruz bits. doing her fucking Grimsby performance. Yeah, doing Awful. stupid bits. So there's no structure to mm-hmm. it. There's no kind of... Yeah, it's as bad as the bad Sasha Baron Cohen films. Yeah, yeah, it's really bad. All right, what's next? Next one is just... This one isn't evil. It's just... It's just the most boring thing fucking, ever. Tough to this, is, this is Envy. Envy. Jack Black, Ben Stiller. Inventing the poop spray. Spray that gets rid of and dog like poop. And like 90% of the movie is just them sitting in their big mansions arguing with each other and like doing little Saying pranks, absolutely nothing. Saying nothing and just committing little pranks. I was, I was genuinely upset at how just... It's so boring. Boring. It's things. really hard to get through and directed by Barry Levinson of all people. Yeah, it's just aggressively boring and not just like, <sighs> oh, we were disinterested in the day. This was actively yeah. like quite shit. Tough to sit through. Uh, then we've got the, the Cobbler, <laughs> fifth worst. You know, the Cobbler tries... He doesn't try. Does it's just it really? a really bad Sandler performance. Yeah, it's it's Sandler's. I would say it's a worse performance than Little Nicky in the sense that he's trying less and he's asleep, completely asleep. Like this is as bad of a Sandler performance as like God rest him. Some of because the this stuff is Robin kind, Williams was doing before he died. This where is you're kind of like, an attempt at being serious as well. Yeah, so it's not even a comedy. Like, you were not awake the days you were on set. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's I don't get- so low energy. It's. Oh, it's awful. And all the shit with the Method Man character mm-hmm. and stepping into the shoes of a black character. It's just so tasteless and tacky. And directed by Tom McCarthy, everybody, who made Spotlight. There's just, there's absolutely nothing in it that defines it as a Sandler film. Or like, as a Tom McCarthy film. His performance doesn't have yeah. any of his... No. This could be... This could be... I mean, who, what actor would work even in this role? Somebody super dull, like... I can't even think of anyone. Philip Seymour Hoffman. No. <laughs> no. No. I don't know. Dustin Hoffman's the dad in this. Yeah, it's sort of like something that fucking, like, it's like a bad, like, Richard Gere movie or something. Sure. I don't know. It sucks. Uh, those are the four films that had a cumulative score of less than 10. Right. Okay. So now we're into the good stuff. Mm, no, good. Using the word good loosely. Uh, next we had, okay, I'll fly through the rest of them. So sure. going from worst to so best. So we have 44. Yeah. Rain Over Me. We got Rain Over Me, then we move into no, Madagascar. I want to I wanna touch upon them quickly. want to touch them all? Ra- yeah. Rain Over Me is, um, Rain Over Me is is the weird 9-11 Sandler's family all died in 9-11. Really interesting film to describe to someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Then you watch it and it's, Terrible. It's, it's it's real tragedy porn where Sandler ends up like on the street waving a gun around with the whole like, sir, we're gonna, I'm gonna yeah, have but to the, shoot the, you. The, the problem with the this film out. is is you find out in like the first scene that his family died in 9-11. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of the film is they're trying to get his character to acknowledge his family died in 9-11. Yes, so the big, he just won't so talk the big climax it. of the film is that he tells his therapist... Mm-hmm. My family died in 9-11. So well, we already knew. We already knew. So, so then all still... they can, all that, that they can get, the only juice they can get out of that scene then is having Sandler 
spitting and his nose running and just as sad as a person has ever been. There's no revelation because everyone knows. It's just a kind of a disgustingly sad film. And it it uses the fucking who's love reign over me in a really cynical way. It's just shit. It's It's shocking stuff. Number 43, we have the first Madagascar, which I think neither of us are just that hot on. Like, the sequels are better. I definitely scored this much lower than you did. Am I right in saying that? Um, I'll pull it up here and we'll... Because I think the first Madagascar is so boring. It It's so boring that I fell asleep in the cinema when I was eight years old when that film came out. I fell asleep. It seems like you gave this a better score than I did. Oh, really? It looks like you give this eight points, I give it six. Interesting. So neither of us like the first Madagascar. No. I think we both agree the sequels are better. Especially the I agree. One. Like, I had a good opinion of it going into it. Yeah. I feel like I have a stronger opinion of it now than when I watched it. When I mm. watched it, it just had nothing. It's just got nothing. It's it's not it's not good. People have a doesn't false... hold up as no. kind of interesting. And the side characters are good. You got... But it, I don't think it does enough with King Julian and Mort and all no. of them. The sequels are better at using those characters. Even the Penguins. Um, At number 42, we have The Watch. We have The Watch. The Watch is not without its moments but it is quite bad overall it's one of the worst ensemble films yes i've seen given how many good the, actors are in it the like, actors have absolutely yeah. nothing like people with. like billy, billy crudup and, and sorry billy crudup is kind of separate to the rosemary dewitt yeah but the core gang like fucking richard i life completely lifeless oh, nothing Vince going on Vaughan. there is it jonah hill yeah jonah, jonah hill, hill yeah and they just sit in the house just making stupid completely jokes flat. yeah completely. The gets into weird stuff so boring really bad um, and then at uh, 41, we have we have Meet the Fockers ranked very, very low. Again, I think this is one of these that we showed up to with like, High oh, this is one of the yeah. one of the classic Stiller yeah, comedies yeah. and it was just it it was too long. Hold, it doesn't hold up. It's too long. It's over two hours. And it just goes off on these tangents with Hoffman and Streisand and blah, blah, blah. And there's just no iconic moments in it as good as what's in the first and the third. Yeah, like this, this list is kind of mm. guilty of being based around expectations, expectations versus yeah. fulfillment but that's okay we're re- that's re- re- revisiting films from 20 years ago yeah. you know i think that we're very alone in thinking that little fuckers is better than meet the fuckers but it is there's just more stuff happening in little fuckers that i think is funny and there's a fun shift in dynamic from two to three that yeah it changes gives like something to talk about and the shift of dynamic is partially caused by the fact that a lot of the actors were not in the same room when it was being made yeah. but in the case of little fuckers more so than zoolander 2 i think it kind of is to the film's benefit because mm-hmm. it means de niro and stiller have a bunch of weird phone conversations and i think yeah. it's kind of funny uh, at number 40, we have You Don't Mess With the Zohan, an interesting film in the current Israel-Hamas situation, because um, it is a film about a Mossad agent fighting a Palestinian terrorist mm-hmm. in New York, played by John Turturro. Sandler yeah. is, of course, the titular Zohan, very indebted to Borat and Bruno. Mm-hmm. Sandler very is trying so. to do Sacha Baron Cohen. I was a lot higher on this newer. I yeah. give it 17, you give it 6. I just don't think it's that funny. I kind of liked it at the time. I like. I got some kicks out of. Mm, I like the Totoro performance. Do we ever? I guess suppose go back to our, our episode from that was one of our first episodes, and I suppose we dove in a little bit to the socio-political implications. I don't know how that's shifted now. Recently, no, I'm but, probably not going to go back and listen. Yeah, I don't know what so. we said about. But I, I think I think we were pretty much on the same. Oh no, page. we had we had like the correct take. We had the time. correct it take on the nothing time. Nothing has happened that yes, has shifted. Nothing at all. But I, I mean, so. I'd be interested to know in in modern context what we said what yeah. we said about and Sandler hasn't come out with anything particularly problematic around the situation um, either so he's both Sandler and Stiller signed the President Biden get the hostages released letter and whatever. whatever um you know they should yeah we should all be supporting the Palestinian people right now uh, at number 39 reality bites I don't think reality bites is that bad it's not that bad but I just hate it 
You just hate you I hate just, what it represents. I hate what it represents. I hate the idea that some they've made a film about someone who wants to be a filmmaker and the biggest their idea can go is I'm going to film my out. friends smoking and chatting shit and thinking that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It is wild that a film But also with- the film the film itself doesn't criticize that idea it makes no points on it the yes. film is very sympathetic to her and her goals it agrees with that idea that yeah. film is kind of the problem with the film itself like it yeah yeah i don't know it's crazy that ethan hawk and winona Ryder could be in a romantic comedy and i would think it's not good and also but... ethan hawk's the biggest shithead of a character and oh, he comes out yeah. as like the winner at the end mm-hmm. they're like oh well uh well it doesn't matter he said some interesting yeah. thing at the end so all his yeah. flaws are no, like they're di- their relation the friendship the sorry like friendship turned romance in it between winona and ethan hawk is really unhealthy and i don't mm-hmm. appreciate it there is a good use of music i think the gary glitter needle drop at the start and the u2 at the end are both quite good but other films have used both those songs better you so. give that 16 i give it seven right i definitely like a bit of a distraction yeah. yeah um at number 38 we have madagascar 3 europe's most wanted it's not that much better than the first Madagascar, but it has the circusy stuff. Frances McDormand is uh, a yeah. bad zoo lady, and there's uh, it's in, like, Katy Perry the song. stuff in Monaco. Like, yeah, it's, kind of it's fun. got some interesting animation, and it was written by Noah Baumbach, yeah, so sure. there's some good jokes in it. At uh, number 37, we have Airheads. This is a Brendan Fraser movie. It's a Brendan Fraser movie with Adam Sandler. It's a different type of humor, yeah. and it's not bad. It's, it's an okay 90s comedy. I yeah. will never watch it again. Probably not. No. There's some funny people in it. Michael McKean and uh, Chris Farley, whatever. Mm-hmm. At number 36, Shockingly Low. Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not that it's good. Fine. It's fine. It's okay. The sports ones just don't appeal to me. No, the sports ones all have one idea, and they kind of run <sighs> off it, and yeah, there's so not much variation. What stupid guy was good at a sport? It's, like, not that funny. And like, you know the tone of these things. They're all just going to win out in the end. Yeah, so there's going to be care. a training montage. There's going to be the, a the, the, the guy there. Mentor guy. Right? Yeah. Whatever. Um, there is another sport movie coming up in a couple of places that we have more nice things to say about, though. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, but it's different, of course. Absolutely. Uh, at number 35, Tropic Thunder. Another one, similar to Happy Gilmore, where I think we are well below the public average opinion of this film. Most people think this is great. I came into it higher than yeah, higher than what I came out after watching it again. Mm. I thought this was like mm-hmm. this has a lot of ideas. It does. In terms, of, it tries a lot of different. The first variety twenty of jokes. minutes is full of ideas. You've got the fake trailers. You've yeah. got Tom Cruise showing off. You got McConaughey. McConaughey. That stuff's all really good. And then. I just don't think a war setting is funny and it's similar to No, sport. it's more funny when it's a movie about making movies, yes, not a movie about surviving the jungle. When it comes to a movie about surviving the jungle, it's just no better than something that like The Rock would be in now. Yeah. It's really just quite like, lazy. The agent is quite good. Yeah, all the stuff with yeah. the guys back in Hollywood is good. It's just the fucking jungle stuff with Jack Black and whatever. I think Downey is funny in it. I don't think he deserved to get an Oscar nomination for it. It is funny. I don't know. Jay Baruchel's in there few other guys like yeah that. steve coogan it's just a weird big cast of interesting characters yeah it is funny they got and robert Downey jr in it. it's the only tom cruise film we ever covered yeah, they have robert Downey jr and tom cruise it's in insane film. that they had robert Downey jr and tom cruise in a film both doing weird incredible makeup wearing a makeup lot of characters. makeup and uh, that film made so much money so yeah um at 34 there's something about mary which i think we both like but it's just too long i, I don't care for it you at don't all. care for it okay. it's fine <laughs> it's way too long Sure. But Cameron Diaz is very charming in it. We like Cameron Diaz. At 33, Little, Little Fockers. Fockers. We just talked about that. At 32, Pixels. Is there a discrepancy with our scores there? Uh, I think Pixels is pretty good. 
which pixels. is crazy. I would have told you. In, you give it 24 points. I give it 10. Yeah, pretty discrepancy. Of, I think that could be one of our biggest discrepancies Maybe, in yeah. rankings. When when Pixels came out and I watched it, I would have told you that Pixels was like one of the worst films I've ever seen. Yeah, and you that, did. I was I was surprised your pivot on it. All I remembered was the Josh Gad stuff. Yeah, in the end where he buys a wife for himself he buys himself a sex slave a video Benson. game which i despise and she has no lines he has no lines it's He's horrible just being a but everything in that film not involving josh gad is pretty okay josh gad animated the show Cox, fiona shaw kevin james is the president um sorry the 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 kevin james present reveal is one of my favorite great. gags yes of and all the uh, jane krakowski so plays good. his uh Jane Krakowski plays the first lady. Yeah. And then you've also got the Dinklage stuff. And then all of Sandler's bullying of Josh Gad in it is quite pleasurable to watch because yeah. we too would love to be given the chance to bully Josh Gad. All so right. kind of pro all of that. Next up, we got Meet the Parents. Yeah. Discuss that kind of. Best of the three. Nothing else to say about it. Really. Yeah. It's good. Then we general. got Grown Ups 2. Uh, I like Grown Ups 2. Yeah, I think you liked it a fair bit more than I did. I think the structure, the decision to make a Grown Ups sequel that is all set in one day and it's just a hangout vibes movie with these characters. Yeah. Because that's all that people want is a, such a smart decision. I yeah. think that film is like genuinely quite funny. Yeah. It's not great, but there's a lot of stuff going on in it that I quite enjoy. And if I was very, if I was in a pit of depression, which mm-hmm. fortunately I not usually am. No, you're not that bad. But if I was at the point in my life, was very unhappy and was hiding in my house all day, mm-hmm. Grown Ups 2 would not be a bad shout to put on to no. just have noise in your home and a couple of little chuckles. Yeah. I, I, I think it's quite charming. Next up we have Hustle. Hustle. Hustle is just a film I'm never going to watch again. But as Adam Sandler's sports movies go, it's the best one. It's the best one. Because he's not. it's not a comedy. It's, it's a serious sports movie. But it's also not a sports movie. No. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a dad traveling for work movie. Sure. With a bit of basketball thrown in. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a good, like, normal performance from Sandler. He's doing a sort of a Ben Affleck character, Matt Damon character. Mm. It's a type of role those guys usually play. Like, it, it, it's closer to Moneyball than The Longest Year. Absolutely. And it's fine. It's like a fine film. I think that a better director and a better script could have made Hustle, like, really good. Like, it could have been, like, an excellent film. Yeah. But I think that given it's just kind of this Netflixy, disposable Netflix thing that LeBron produced and whatever, I think it is... It's decent, and Sandler's it's a perfect film to have in the middle of a ranking. Yeah, like it's, he's like a measured. It's a measured performance. Like it's yeah. it's grand. At twenty eight, we have Madagascar Escape to Africa, a film hugely boosted by the Will I Am Hans Zimmer score, which I just fuck with so much. Yeah, I the, love the music in that film. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pipple, or no, not Pipple. Will I Am plays Motomoto. Yeah. We all love Motomoto. That film has a lot of good gags. Alec Baldwin's in it. I don't know. I just like the various elements of that film, mm-hmm. and I think that the the, the sum of the parts is is acceptable. Greenberg. Greenberg is like a lab sub-average bound back, but it's fine. Like, I liked it at the time, but then I was looking back over my lists earlier, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the plot of it at all. Yeah. He's he's a brother who comes to stay with yeah. the family. And then he starts flirting with Greta Gerwig, and he's kind of quiet and shy and retiring and giving yeah, up on his it's, career. It's kind of forgettable. It's whatever. Uh, Zoolander won at 26. Another one that we probably rate a bit below average. It's good. It's solid. It's It's fine. It's got David Bowie. It's got David Bowie. I don't find the modeling world to be a particularly amusing place to set a comedy, I suppose. Again, this is one of these films where it kind of... You lose interest when it gets into the plot that isn't yeah. directly making gags about yes. the absurdity of the world. I don't think Derek Zoolander is that funny of a comedy creation. I no, think but, he, but again... funnier than Zoolander. The reason this works is because Christine Taylor is kind of the, yeah, the lead. Christine Taylor is really good in this. 
And like she should be in more of these movies. She's in Dodgeball actually quite a bit. But number twenty-five, Grown Ups. Yes, Grown Ups. There was a point in my life where I put Grown Ups on a list of my favorite films ever, and I was mocked by adults on the internet. Mm-hmm. Grown Ups is good though, apart from the horrible couple of jokes in it to do with sexual assault, gay people. I feel like there's a couple of jokes in there that I think are like need to be cut out yeah but like everyone's pretty charming and even the kids are charming i like chocolate wasted i like the that's the box the back of the tv all the female wife counterparts are quite wives are all really well cast they're all really good it has a nice heartwarming ending with the basketball match yeah i think it's a very charming nice pleasant film yeah yep it's good 25 we have night museum secret of the tomb i don't remember liking this that much but we apparently did this is the third one yeah Apparently we thought it was crazy. Good. I watched the three of these in three consecutive days. I think I watched the second and third one like maybe in the same in four hour in a four hour block. We might have actually yeah. uh, at work. Um, yeah, were, were we working from home that day or something? Yeah, uh, something, something weird. Yeah. I think Night Museum three is fine. Yeah. Uh, at twenty three, we have an I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh, surprisingly progressive in its approach to homosexuality and gay marriage. Like as far as like gay panic films. Adam Sandler's meant this is like shockingly too. not no would less gay panicky than most of the films on here yeah it's like because they knew they were dealing they were advertising the gay panic on the poster it's like the poster it's, is so gay panicky that the film has to be very nice to compensate for it it's like the film overcompensates in its progressive thinking to make up for the fact that the title and poster would suggest that it is very homophobic but it's not Listen to sure, our episode. I feel like other people might have other takes. We have that. an actual real life gay person on our episode <laughs> talking about it. So you can listen to that to find out what he thought. At 23, Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian. Too much Hank Azaria. Yeah, that's your problem. I liked it. I liked the scale of it. I liked the yeah. set pieces. I thought it was pretty Amy cool. Amy Adams, but also boring mm-hmm. in that film. I don't know. 22. Just go with it. Just go with it. I, I think you must have dragged that one down because I am I love Just Go With It. I think it's great. Yeah, again, this is one of these that mm. I forgot to add to my ranking at the time, so I added it yesterday and I was like, I right. don't even remember what happened. Oh, here. I love Just Go With It. I think it's so good. There's a good, uh, I remember there being one very good slow mo scene of like <laughs> there, someone getting yes. hit with a milkshake as <laughs> they're walking in slow motion towards the camera. Yeah. yeah. What is it? A kid on, runs up and throws yeah, milkshake. Yeah, throws milkshake at his <laughs> mother. Really it's funny. great. I think Just Go With It's really funny. That oh, is pretty good. I think yeah. Nick Swarzen is funny in that film where he's like playing the German fake. Yeah, it's one of his I think it's good. better things. Um, and obviously, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. They're just delightful, yeah. They're it's great much better than Murder Mystery, in my opinion. Yeah. At 21, we have Jack and Jill, Unfairly Maligned, an excellent comedy, Al Pacino, Best Supporting Actor 2011 nomination, yes, deserved. Don Cacino, What's My Name, Don Cacino, uh, a film that my dad has very fond memories of every time I bring it up. It's not. It's good. Like, Sandler's really funny. Jill is like a very good performance. Yeah, like character. we probably made a point of making sure we let people know we like this more than the, yes. the consensus. Because it's just not that bad. No, it's not that bad. Anyone who like actually sits down and watches Jack and Jill accepts that it's pretty good. Like I wouldn't say that. But. I don't think, I think the people who say Jack and Jill's a bad film are the people who saw it in 2011 and haven't watched it since. Sure. I think it's quite funny. I think Jill is a, is like Sorry, one of his Yeah, if you didn't like it, you didn't want to like it going into it. Exactly, yeah. So it's it's stupid, but it's good. Yeah. At number 20, we have Mr. Deeds. Again, you've dragged that down on the list because I love Mr. Deeds. Again, I think this was just a fatigue thing Mm. where there are kind of a lot of films from this year that follow similar beats. They're all 90 minutes. They're all... Yeah. I think Mr. Deeds is... No, it's twice. It's perfectly pleasant. ...is wonderful. I love the Winona Ryder character. I love their relationship. I love the Jared Harris performance as the sleazy editor. 
Uh, I think the Totoro Butler Butler guy is great. I think that Mr. Deeds is just like such a positive energy, good vibes comedy. I think I, I I think I, I rate kind of outside the box mm, films a little higher higher than the ones that are just the conventionals. Yeah. Yeah. I just think Mr. Deeds is just funny enough to get away with being as safe as it is. Which is kind of a good lead into the next film, which is The Secret Life yes. of Walter Mitty. We watched the trailer for this yesterday to remind ourselves of it. Good trailer. A lot of good imagery in it. Good, yeah. It good looks shots. great. It, it looks, looks like it looks fantastic. Yeah. My main issue with it is like the Kristen Wiig character. I don't like. Okay. I don't like their interactions. I think that she's underwritten. I hate when she plays Space Oddity on the guitar. It oh, leans yeah. into a lot of real cliched stuff. I feel like the, the emotional heartstrings it's trying to pull at are those of a much more dull person than I like to spend time with. Sure. It's appealing to the fucking Coldplay fan, cliche-loving Facebook inspiration. They could have gone weirder. Yeah. Like it's, it's, this it's is a movie to- for people who like consume all their news through Facebook, I feel like. Yeah. What a nice film, Walter Mitty, RCE, nine thirty p.m. I just think it's kind of, it's just kind of lazy. But then and you watch like, the trailer and it has all these dream sequences. Yeah, kind of. They could have like superhero lean. fight with Adam Scott. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just got a lot of, a lot of ideas and not enough risks taken. Yes, it needs to be a lot weirder than it is. Yeah, even Dream Scenario, which we went to see yesterday with Nicolas Cage, is that's a, a better very word. similar film that's full of dream sequences. Yeah, much more creative mm-hmm. ideas in that. But it leans into the horror of it. Yes, exactly. Whereas, Whereas Walter like, Mitty is like, oh, how nice. But I don't hate that either. Like it's a PG rated nice- film, despite being an adult drama, because it wanted to be a huge Christmas blockbuster, which yeah. makes no sense because the films it has more in common with are stuff like Forrest Gump and Benjamin Button. Yeah, and like it's. It's just not as it's not as wacky as those films, even. Like, but I kind of like the stellar performance. It's it's good performance. It's pleasant. Yeah. It looks nice. It's good use of him as a movie star, I think. Yeah. So Again, kind of measured, almost similar to how Sandler is in Hustle, and that he's like moving around. I don't remember traveling. any of his lines of dialogue. In this. <laughs> no, me neither. He's on the phone to Patton Oswalt a lot. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. Seventeen. Bedtime stories. Yeah, starring a noted good person, Russell Brand. Um, oh god. I think bedtime stories. Not a good person, Rob Schneider. Yeah, I think I think bedtime stories rules. I'm gonna watch so, it again. So same. Too. I really like it's it. Really good. It's really um, good. For free <laughs> has entered the vernacular in our household. <laughs> and bedtime stories is constantly coming up. I don't get why people don't like bedtime stories. I think it's really good. I think it belongs in the same tier as Night. Uh, we met a friend yesterday whose dad grew up in a hotel. Yes. Which is kind of better bedtime what's stories vibes. We didn't think to mention yeah, no, that. I, yeah, no, I thought it at the time, but I wasn't going to bring yeah. it up. I didn't um, want to get into an Adam Sandler discussion. Yes, great people in it. Richard Griffiths, yeah. Guy Pierce, Kerry Russell, Courtney Cox. The yeah. kids are pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, there's I a weird it's... side story about saving a school. Yeah, he's oh, well, no, uh, a, yeah, and the school's being demolished by Guy Pierce to build a hotel. Guy Pierce is kind of like bringing like forty percent of the energy of that film as well. He's so good. In that. It is when, a good discussion of what holidays should be. Holidays or staying in hotels? Yes, 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 yes. It is a good film about hotels. And yeah, hotel living and management. And yeah, no, I think true. it's a really good. I really like it. That period of Disney live action stuff has a couple of gems in it. And they do then, fun like period scene pieces. Mm-hmm. They spent huge. It's a hugely expensive big, film. Big expensive film. And there's yeah. a cowboy. There's a western element, and there's a ancient Rome element, and there's a bunch of just like weird little dream sequences yeah. again, similar to Midi, but mm-hmm. a bit more fun, I think. 16, The Week, the week of. of, which is very weird. It's kind of like one step away from being a Woody Allen film, but it's like not quite as, not quite as like highfalutin, you know. I really like this. It's good. It's very this good. This is one of the Netflix films. It's the one of the Netflix films that I think stands up as like a real yeah. film. 
there's all the stuff with the, looking after the old uncle who comes to visit. Yeah. Sandler's like stressed well, out of his mind. He's deaf, is he, or something? He's deaf or something. Yeah. Sandler's shouting a lot. Chris Rock shows up. And but he's like, also not. He's comic. also like a com- very meek character. Yes, he is. He's playing a He plays more- older. He lets himself look a bit older. He does. And it's very blue collar. He plays like a working class guy who drives around in a van. And him and Chris Rock clash because Chris Rock is, of course, the, the father of his his son's wife to be or whatever yeah. and chris rock is very wealthy um and it's it's one of these frustrating films where people keep showing up people to your keep house showing up to your house and i love that kind of thing it I has this that. kind of spongebob so squarepants good. thing yeah. of why are there so many people in my house everyone's talking you've nowhere to go and just... very claustrophobic i think chris rock's very good in it as well mm-hmm. um rachel dratch plays sandler's wife uh yeah we're very big fans of the week of you should check that out is it one of sandler's like poorer roles in terms of class, class in the film. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I would so, say yeah. so, yeah. He's in kind of a beat up house and yeah. the suburbs. Bedtime Stories is probably his most working class character, I'd say. Does he not inherit a hotel franchise or something? Oh, he does at the end. Yeah. I guess he's just playing like a handyman who never went to college and is, I don't know. Uh, Sorry, there's a few where he's like that. Yeah. Happy Gilmore. There's never any expression of poverty in those films. No. So. Okay, next up 51st Dates. I, I really like this film. Again. I like it more than you, but it's just nice and charming. I really like it. Um, why he's beautiful and it's a really fun premise that they do a lot with kind of a silly premise again this falls into the this is in this mm. is like a very clear cut Sandler film which I just got fatigued of yeah Um. so mm. yeah anyway, really Duplex our first ever episode yeah insane that we did that as our first film it's it's stood up on the rankings for it's me good. It's, it's good it's very good it's really very good. funny old Irish lady that they're trying to kill yeah it's him and uh the physical comedy is pretty good in it. Who's the woman? Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yeah. It's ben Barrymore. and Drew Barrymore. Uh, yeah, good physical comedy, all set in one apartment Double building. Of Drew Barrymore much. there. Very fun. Yeah. Thirteen. Anger management. I liked anger management a lot more when we did it for the podcast than yeah. I previously had thought I did. John C. Riley's in it. Yes. At uh, my my dear friend and uh, Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler are fucking hilarious together. What do you expect? And the I feel pretty scene is great. And yeah, yeah. they really put a big star beside him this time. Yeah. And Rudy Giuliani's in it. <laughs> it's it's obviously completely like playing off the Meet the Parents playbook. It's like, what if we put the guy with one of yeah. the greatest actors alive yeah. and he's pissed off at him the entire time? Again, but Jack Nicholson is like very funny in that. And he's like very like cheeky in it. Like he he's, is, yeah. He's trying to get with the wife and it's like, who's the wife in that? It's Mimarissa Tomei. Yes. Yeah. We love this. Great cast. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's one that if I watched it later in the series, I might not have liked as much. Yeah. Hard but uh, no, I do really like it. Yeah. Number 12. Tower Heist. I really like Tower Heist. Same. It's really good. It's yeah. really fun. Well directed. Sorry to all the, you know, Brett Ratner is a terrible person, but uh, it's a good film. Uh, Alan Alda is really good. As really good. Bernie Madoff guy up at the top Union of the class war film. Union class. Yeah. A very good, like, workers banding together to eat the yeah. rich film. Fucking Casey Affleck, Michael Pena, Taylor Leone. Uh, Gabri Sidibe. Eddie Murphy, have you said already? Eddie Murphy is the weakest element of that I film. think so. And I kind of wish he wasn't in it because he just takes up oxygen. Yeah, there's a 20-minute section in the middle that's kind of Eddie Murphy-focused, yeah. and he doesn't... He adds absolutely nothing to no. the film, and I think that it would be better without him, and you just give more stuff to Pena and Casey. The whole thing is set in Trump Tower, I believe. All set in Trump Tower. Bizarre film. There's a whole bit of it. There's Thanksgiving Parade, and there's Muppets and stuff, and no, there's like sad elements to it, like people losing their pensions and stuff. It's, oh, and it's really Stephen McKinley Henderson Stephen jump, McKinley jumps Henderson. in front of a fucking subway, doesn't he? Or he's well, in the hospital. He, he tries to kill himself and he ends up in hospital. He's the doorman. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Or else something. It's it's like <sighs> yeah. There's anyway. something. It's quite sad. It's yeah. really. I really like it. Mm, it's really good. We're into the top ten now. 
Number 10. 11, I believe. No, no, top oh, 10. Oh, my list is wrong. Number 10, Big Daddy. You missed uh, While We Were Young. Sorry, number 11. While We Were, while young. were young. Yeah. That good, good bound back, good out driver. It's a movie about my parents and their younger friends. Yeah. Uh, Charles Grodin is in it. I like it a lot. Good fun. Number 10, Big Daddy. Big Daddy, Big Daddy I yo. adore. Kangaroo Song. The fucking John Stewart shit. The I think this is kind of the best case. of the the cookie cutter or Sandler. You think it is? Yeah. No, I think that there's another one to come on the list that's better. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if I include that as one mm, of these. I okay. think that's a slightly different. Sure. But Big Daddy is Big Daddy's just really funny, remarkably charming. The fucking kid, the Sprouse twins are great in it. Um, all time apartment layout. The all time McDonald's breakfast scene. Yeah. Buscemi is the homeless man. Big Daddy is like a is a perfect comedy. I, I've. Five stars. I don't know. All time avoiding of child labor laws. Yeah, you've to be clear, you have dragged this down in the rankings. This a is my bit. top five. Like, okay, yeah, you've brought it down a lot. I probably have it in the fifteen range. Yeah, where are we? I'll just check that actually. Because I have it. I definitely have it in my top ten. I'm pretty. I sure. I have it thirty two, which means it would have been like sixteen for me. Okay. Yeah, I have it. I have sure. it in my top five. Again, this is one I added to my list today. Yeah, I like it a lot. I really like it a lot. Uh, number nine, first night at the museum. Yeah, yeah, an excellent, an excellent family comedy, and just uh, pretty spot on. It doesn't really like the sequels don't really you know add that much because the first one kind of perfected the format. Imagery will probably last as a kid's yes iconic film I in twenty so. years, but absolutely still yeah. be knocking around there. Uh, number eight is uh, Brad Status, which I think is a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, Mike White, uh, it's just Ben Stiller being a bitter, miserable guy who hates all of his friends from college because they're more successful than him. While yeah. he takes his son on a college road trip and flirts with younger women it's, in bars, it's really trying to live vicariously through his son while yeah. also being jealous and also not. It's kind of a movie that Noah Baumbach couldn't make. Yeah. But it's just as good as his films, in my opinion. I think it's really it's midlife really crisisy. Mm-hmm. I think the sun is great. The entire thing is done through like a voiceover by Ben yes, Stiller, which is really good and is like a, mm. adds an interesting layer to the Stiller persona. I thought it was a bit shallow watching it. It kind of came together at the end. Like I thought some of the yeah. the thoughts he was having were like, all right, this isn't. Yeah, I think it has a really here. strong ending. Yeah. I'm sure most of you haven't seen it, so I would recommend watching it. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Big Billy BM. Madison. Billy I Madison. adore Billy Madison. Yeah. I think it is so good. Fucking swans you got the fucking nudie magazines you've got the so hot teacher you got bradley whitford it's fantastic it's just so stupid it's great it's, it's good fun number six the myrowitz stories new and selected great film i don't uh you you brought it up a bit you boosted it a bit here i, I have this at number four I yeah i definitely don't rank it as highly as uh billy madison big daddy or while we're young but it is excellent we mm. talked about it just last week so you can go back and listen Great. Sandler and Stiller working together. They're so fun together. Elizabeth Marvell adds a lot. Dustin Hoffman, of course, adds a lot. Um, it's a lovely, charming film. Yep. Um, really good. Number five is The Royal Tenenbaums, which is a film that when we started this podcast, before I had rewatched any of the films, I would have probably told you that The Royal Tenenbaums was one of the two best films that we would cover mm-hmm. in this podcast. And it really isn't as great as I had thought when I was younger. It's not in my top tier. What did I do with my top there? It is probably like my fourth, third or fourth favorite Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Stiller is very good in it, but I don't think he's the best part of it. I think he's probably the worst of the main performances. Actually, I mean, just Paltrow and Luke Wilson and and that's Gene not Hatch. that he's bad. Gene, the others yeah, are really Paltrow, good. Luke Wilson, and Gene Hackman are giving three all time great performances. So yeah. it's tough to live up to. But Royal Tenenbaums is not a a five star film for me. I think it's 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 excellent though, and it, it does belong in the top five. It, it earns yeah. its place here, but um, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent film. Number four, Jemmy Gems. Jemmy Gems. Uncut Gems uh, is an excellent film. It's not 
Adam Sandler's best film, and I think it belongs where it is on this list. I had it higher. I had it number two. You had number two, I right? Had it number two. I do. You, can you see where I had it? Yeah, I'll check for you because now. it was not number two on my list. Uh, you had it about number seven. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and I was two. Mm-hmm. And it ended you up at number five. Eight, on yeah. ends up number four on the list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's an excellent film. Safety Brothers, obviously Howie Bling is an iconic performance by Sandler. The film just doesn't hang together as well for me as the top three that we're about to discuss. I, second time round, it, it did hold up for me. I felt like the tension mm-hmm. was still there watching the second time, even though the yeah, it's very tense. conditions we watched the first time were like so mm-hmm. s- well suited to... Mm-hmm. Opening night, full packed full cinema, packed sweaty room. Ultimate, just everyone holding their breath yeah. the entire time. Still good on a rewatch. Still hilarious. Yeah, it is hilarious. I think in 20 years, this will be... Sure. Consider one of the, I think that defining films of the period, just sure. in terms of what the sense of humor is at the yes, time. Yes, I agree. For me, it's just not as much of a rewatchable sort of five star film as these three above it. Sure. Which are number three? Click. I have. I've made my point. I've made my argument for Click. Uh, I think it's it's not just a great Adam Sandler comedy. I think it's just a, a capital G great film. Period. Mm-hmm. I am so moved by it every mm-hmm. time i watch it and some of those reasons are maybe a bit specific to me but like i just think it's a beautiful film i think it's so funny and i think that the whole watching your life flash before your eyes thing that it does with sandler is so affecting and works so well um and everyone in it is hilarious bar uh what's your face uh who's your one that we don't like from the the white lotus i can't even remember her name Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge is in it, and she's not that funny in it, but she's, the neighbor, she she's the neighbor who comes over. But otherwise, I love the kids in it. I love um, the Christopher Walken performance, and I think that's great. And I've obviously boosted it a lot on this list. I, I don't think you have it quite as high as I oh, do. Oh, I had it at probably six. You have a top ten? Okay, good. I think Click is, is phenomenal. Number two, Funny People. Yep. I think I probably like a bit more than you. Very important film to me. I think it's wonderful. I think Sandler is doing so much in it. Um, and Seth Rogen is like a really good co-star for him. And they mm-hmm. should have made more films together because they're really good in this together. And Leslie Mann is great. And the whole supporting cast is great. Yeah. And it turns into a completely different film in the second half. And I think it's... Oh, I had funny people at three. It's, okay, great. Two. It's two really good films in yeah. one. And then uh, with 96 points, we had the same number one film. Yeah. Undisputed. Undisputed, Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. We said it at the time on our episode. It's the best film we were going to cover on the show, mm-hmm. and that holds up. It's a, it's an incredible film. It's one of my favorite films, and I got to tell Emily Watson it was one of my favorite films, and I recently purchased a beautiful vinyl edition of The, the Score Sound. by John Bryan. There somewhere on the shelf. Yep, beautiful um, blue, blue, blue record. This and is the film I liked significantly more on second watch. Mm-hmm. I originally watched it maybe three years ago. Yeah. Watched it again mm-hmm. whenever we did the episode yeah. and just adored it. Mm, it's great. It's yeah. so great. It's so funny. And Sandler is doing so much with the character. Pacing is perfect. Looks looks completely unique. Yeah. Looks insane. It's all... It'll give you a headache. Lens flare and lights yeah. shining your eyes. And the music's amazing. It cuts away to paintings every 10 minutes. Kind of trying to make you have a migraine. Yes, Because that's kind, kind of, of the is. sense of the film. Uh, Emily Watson, Phyllis Jerome Hoffman, yeah. Louis Guzman, Mary... Uh, Ratzberg. They're all incredible in it. And Sandler is, is like creating like a completely unique character that's brilliant there we have it that's our ranking everybody uh any particular notes to make about it what was our biggest discrepancy between both of our scores sorry yes i'll get into the was uh was mr deeds i believe i think so 
Where's Makes my, sense. It's my list again. I have a disproportionately strong opinion of Mr. Deeds. Um, so I think that, that that makes sense as being the biggest discrepancy. Uh, and then, as you expect, the smallest discrepancy was uh, was with Punch Drunk Love, which is uh, the film that we both put at number one. Okay, so the biggest discrepancy was indeed Mr. Deeds with 19-point difference in mm, places. Then Grown-Ups. Original Grown-Ups was 16, then with a few 14s with Anger Management, mm-hmm. Battle of Smithsonian, Pixels, Pixels Tropic, Tropic Thunder, Thunder Zoolander, Zoolander, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Yeah. Some of those are in my side, some of those are in your side. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Deeds on my side, definitely the biggest one that I Again, just, it was like, just mostly, it, Mr. Deeds is fine. I just like it way more than most people. Sure. And I accept that fact. Yeah. Um, so that's the film's right, everybody. Mm-hmm. And Shane is now going to do some a quizzing of box office, all-time box office records for our two wonderful leading men mm-hmm. for our final ever box office now, game on the show. I'm going to ask you, as a leading man, yes. just in films where he's the leading man, yes. Who has the bigger worldwide box office total? I have to assume Ben Stiller. You'd be correct. Yeah. Madagascar Obviously, the, the Sandler stuff doesn't include the Netflix stuff. Yeah, it doesn't include the Netflix distortive. stuff. That's cut out a couple of years now. And I, I think say. if those films got a wide release, he would overtake. Yes, possibly, Stiller. yeah. Stiller, worldwide box office total as a leading man mm-hmm. in 23 films. Yeah. billion dollars incredible 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 um my neither museum and madagascar is obviously doing a lot of work for him there yeah but also the fockers films and zoolander and Mm -hmm. stuff no no sorry not zoolander zoolander actually didn't make a lot of money at the box office but um you know there's a couple of huge hits in there anyway okay and sandler's worldwide box office total is uh just over three billion equally great so it's about 300 million so we have about 6 billion between the two of them 6 billion between the two of them amazing Sandler actually has a bigger domestic box office in the US yeah it makes sense of 1.9 billion yeah. Stiller down at 1.6 yeah Madagascar's would be big international mm. players there yeah but Sandler's listed at 35 films Stiller only at 23 so oh, his, wow, okay. his average per film is much better much better yeah um, Sandler gets a huge boost when you um, count his lead ensemble member oh no he doesn't no Sorry, what am I thinking so. of? I can't think of anything he'd be an ensemble of that would be... I can't... I'm getting confused here. I can't tell if these are considered separate to leading or lead ensemble member. Who cares? Yeah. Three billion for lead ensemble member. Mm-hmm. Like, do the United Museums count as that for... He'd be a lead in those. Anyway. Yeah. Next up, we have... We'll play the box office game. Yeah. But for each mm-hmm. individual... Yeah. Guy. Okay. We've got Sandler first. Can you name Sandler's highest grossing worldwide box office film? I actually like don't I don't have the thought of what it is coming to mind immediately. I'm actually going to click away from the list of his films. I don't want to be looking at that. It's make it easy. Um, Adam Sandler's highest grossing film as a lead. As a lead. No, uh, just overall. Overall. Uh, have we covered it? No. Shit. It'll be very obvious once you think of it. Is it animated? Yeah. Is Hotel Transylvania two three? Three. Three. Okay. $527 million. Huge hit. Huge right? hit. A good film, yeah. Okay, I'm going to give away two and three because it goes three, yeah. Transylvania two. Transylvania one. Transylvania yeah. one. Okay. Those are his top three grossing films. Makes sense. Next, we've got two more films that are related. From Sandler. Yeah. This is all Sandler list. Two more that are related to each other. Like. Yeah. So they're a sequel, a mm-hmm. first film and a sequel. Yeah. Adam Sandler films that are a first film and a sequel. Grown ups and grown ups, grown ups and grown ups in that order. Yeah, grown ups made slightly more. They, did they, so they made like two hundred million each, did they? Two seventy and two fifty. Holy shit! Yeah, 
I remember when Tropic Thunder, sorry, when um, Grown Ups 2 came out the same weekend as Pacific Rim mm-hmm. and absolutely ate its Demolished lunch. it, yeah. yeah. A huge robots movie that cost $200 million uh-huh. and it came second to Grown Ups 2. Next up, mm-hmm. do you want to have a guess? Um, I think Happy Gilmore is going to be very high on this list. But I also think stuff like The Longest Yard will be quite high. Think, dates, think more, think something very yard. like commercial here. Something here. Bedtime that, stories. No, something that leans into... Pixels. Pixels, yeah. Sure. Leans into existing IP to boost Pixels the... Pixels was not considered a big hit. This meant $245 million. It's not bad. Probably had a big budget. Very expensive. very expensive. Yeah, that would that, that honestly wouldn't have been profitable, probably. That film definitely cost north of 150. Made so. 78 domestic and 165 mm-hmm. international. It would, want to, have, big it would want to have passed 300 to make a profit. Whereas Grown Ups 2 made more domestic. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grown Ups 2 is more of a... Yeah, like Pixels. Sure, Pixels has like a lot of like characters from Japanese video yeah, game yeah. culture in it. Yeah. Next up, a surprising one. Mm. Do you want me to tell you or do you want to guess? Give me a clue. This is the best film on the list so far. So it's in our top 10. Is it Jack and Jill? No. Nope. It's in our top it. 10. Just go with it. No. It's in our top 10. Click. It is Click. Yeah, Click. Click made a lot of money. Click was a big hit. Yeah. 237. Yep. I remember Click being hit. a huge hit at the time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And next up is one you mentioned a second ago. Jack and Jill. Nope. Just go with it. No. Nope. 51st Dates. Sorry, you didn't mention this. No. I'm. You said Happy Gilmore. I'm Mr. Deeds. No. Billy Gate Madison. No. New I'm York kidding. set. Involves a child. Oh. Sonny Koufax. Big Daddy is a huge hit. Big Daddy yeah, is Sonny huge Koufax. Oh. Sonny Koufax. Not to be confused with... Uh, with... Uh, Kov- uh, what's the character in Tower Heist called? Co- he's a Kovax as well. Oh, it's a... What's his first name? What is his first name? It's like a really obvious... Ar- not Aaron. Aaron. What the fuck? No. This is breaking my brain now that I can't remember the name of his character. And it's said so often. It's like such an obvious name for a film character. Josh Kovacs. Josh Kovacs. Here we go. There All we right. go. Cool. All right. Move on to the stillers there. Uh, Unless there's something really interesting. Yeah. Say. Okay. Let's get on. Um, ben Stiller here. Mm-hmm. Acting credits. Can you name his biggest film? Uh, ben Stiller's biggest film is definitely Madagascar 3. Indeed. Yeah. $750 million. It doesn't feel like Madagascar 3 should be bigger than Madagascar 2. Madagascar 3 feels like a se- uh, a sequel that came Didn't 10 years well. after the second one. Yeah. And they were just like, oh, we'll do that. It's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Madagascar 2 is second. Cool. Um, then Madagascar 1. Nope. Nope. Then that, that's Museum a f- Night Museum. One. Can you name Night of the Museum's stiller character name? Yes, it's Larry Daly. It's Larry Daly. It's my cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got Madagascar. Then we got into yeah. the Fockers. Yeah, Museum Three. Meet the Fockers is like an insane box office. Meet the Fockers over half a billion. It's <laughs> just completely ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Insane. Just that combination of actors was just like hot sauce. Now after the third night of the museum, there's yeah. a surprising one here. This meant a lot of money. Interesting. Okay, is it from the 2000s decade? No, this is from '98. Uh, something about Mary. Yeah. Yeah, we established at the time that was a crazy big $370 million. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that Along Came Polly over-indexes on here and made a lot of money. 175 Yep, that's crazy. That's, that's probably insane. maybe 12 on the list. Yeah, that was peak Aniston as well. That was like a six yeah. months after Friends ended. Like, yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah, so after something about Mary, it's Night mm. Museum 2, Meet the Parents, Little Fockers, Tropic yeah. Thunder, Walter Tropic, Mitty. Tropic Thunder. Walter Mitty did make money. Yep. Okay. Made more than Along Came Polly. Probably didn't actually cost. Like, 
probably like Walter Mitty probably did cost like less than a hundred million. I would assume. You'd hope so. Like eighty-five or ninety. Yeah, it was expensive. There's nothing though. crazy. Not hundred ninety, like so. That's not terrible. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, it just doesn't exist. People just don't remember it exists. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's it. Most any other questions regarding no, no, box no. office? Not really. They're both very successful. Brad status with a nice three million dollars. <laughs> Wonderful. They're both lovely, successful um, guys. So, trying to see what the most like mm. notable film that yeah made the least amount of money. Yeah, um, Brad status is kind of the only one. Yeah. My question for you: Do you think that either of these guys is ever going to win an Oscar before they die? I think Sandler has a better chance. I think he has a better chance. Yeah. I think chances have been. Stiller. I think James got close enough to the award circuit that he yeah. He, yeah, I think that Ben Stiller will only win an Oscar for directing. directing or producing. Yeah, he. I don't think he is a good enough actor in the eyes of most people to even make a big like eighty-five-year-old comeback Oscar. If he work. wants to make a push, he needs to build up to it. I think that it's hard to jump. Like he's not. Yeah, out of the consciousness enough to make a comeback. Yeah, and he's not considered talented enough to just jump right into it yeah i think that even when he's in his 80s and he if he tries to do some kind of oscar campaign i feel like people will not be positive enough about yeah. his career to do that i think sandler will have more of that he's starting off at a better level to, to work up to it i don't think that adam sandler's ever does uh, ben stiller have an emmy for severance mm, maybe for something else i don't know mm. he might have a golden globe i don't think sandler's ever gonna win an oscar either but his chances are slightly higher do you think he'll get a nomination yeah, yeah. I think he will get a nomination, and that will be as well as he ever does. I think he'd be happy with that. And we'll celebrate the day that happens. We will. We'll be doing we'll we'll a, we'll we'll a little party. We'll have, we'll have a little boy party. A little boy party. So, for those who aren't aware, we're hard rocketing, launching straight into our next pro- pro- mm-hmm. podcast project, which is going to be basically the exact same as what you've been listening to when yeah. Adam and Ben. It's called Boy Party. We're having a party with some boys and some girls. Know. Gender is a construct. Yeah. We're talking about movies where two or more, but mostly two, massive movie stars work together um, and personalities clashed. Salaries had to be negotiated. Billing had to be negotiated. We're talking about movies like The Post, movies like The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected, mm-hmm. movies like Face Off, um, movies like, uh, uh, give me some more examples, uh, Men in Black, Men in Black, Bride Wars, All the President's Men. The way we were. What's up, Doc? Uh, You've got the list more than I do. Star is born. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, format will figure pivot it out. a little. Not format will change from this. We'll try and get more into yeah. the, the behind the scenes rather yeah. than we'll talk about actors' careers and what they're like in yeah. real life and how they interact with each other and whatever. And hopefully, get some how films information are, you haven't heard before. Yeah, how films are marketed and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what we're going to be kicking off with yet. We haven't decided, but we're going to talk about some great movies from throughout history. There'll be a lot more older stuff. Than Will we have that up and running before the end of the year? Do you think? I think we'll have it up and running within the next ten days. <laughs> okay, I don't see why we wouldn't. Um, sure. We will. Uh, you can follow Boy Party Pod on Instagram. Instagram um, and boypartypod.com will mm-hmm. be launched soon um, to listen to that. And we're going to have lots of guests and lots of fun movies on it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank all of our guests who joined us yeah. over the course of Admin Ben Noon Selected, Lauren Conway, Gemma Rubotham, Owen Doby, Michael McAndrew, Christine Appleby, Brendan, Fernando, Kelly Palenque, mm-hmm. 
that's everybody. Catherine Krauss in the US who contributed a nice contributed love spreadsheet lovely statistics uh, that helped our statistical analysis. Also a long-time listener who's long-time head listener. of our marketing department in the US currently. Yes, and we have a number of international marketing departments headed up by dear friends and colleagues yep. um, who we thank for their support of the show. Thank you very much for listening. You are most likely one of those people that we just referenced, so let's not play games and pretend you're not. But Leave a yeah. like on our Instagram post. Yeah, if you're a person who isn't... Uh, who isn't friends with us in real life or has never met us and you've uh, been listening to the show, we appreciate your support. Um, you're one of our 1,000 all-time listeners. Uh, we're both cheering up a little bit here now, yeah. bringing this to an end. We're very moved by this, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, we're not, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like we fucking live in the same house and, you know, carry on mm-hmm. all day. Just keep watching movies. But thank you for tuning in. It's been lovely talking about uh, two actors who I like a great deal. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I like Ben Stiller until we started this podcast. I think he's wonderful. And he retweeted me. Yeah, he really on, on my work surprised account. me. There was a lot of surprise in this that um, I yeah. think this it was a really fulfilling exercise to go through. And yeah, we can be quoted as experts in the field exactly. now. And it's interesting to see ben It's interesting films. to watch so many films with one or two particular actors and to be like... You really pick up the beats of yes. what's good and what's not. And, and we know these two actors so well now. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think that these are both really talented guys. I think In their own ways. I have a lot more affection obviously for Sandler he's just a little bit more special to me but I'm glad that we did a podcast that involved something else just I think like they're similar enough but different enough that we don't have to directly compare and be like one is better than the other like they have completely different energies yeah a pure Sandler podcast I think would have been a little bit less exciting than this was it was fun to have a sort of a balance back and forth and to be able to alternate and not have to just be fucking watching Adam Sandler movies every week because that would Break your brain. Yeah. Um, nice tie-in at the end with Meyerowitz. It was a good... Yeah. Good th- to have something to build up to. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't have known what to end on. No. And we just keep going forever, and we would eventually die with the podcast unfinished. You never want to leave a podcast unfinished? Never. Never, never, never. No. So, thank you so much. Please send us lots of messages of love and affection, and we'll... Please do. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take them in. Uh, and uh, tell your friends about Boy Party. Tell your friends about Boy Party, and we're going to wrap up today's episode with a with a, a final rendition of our original theme song. So well, stay tuned. Thank you, and goodbye. We smiled when they were happy. We cried when they were sad. We stared at their hot wives and laughed when they got mad. Analyze their income, animals or dudes. They made bullying cool again. Their favorite too, it's Adam and Ben. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.